Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ National, presented by Alison Balance and Veronica Maduna. We meet John Church, an expert on sea level rise and one of the scientists who is about to lose his job at CSIRO, the government research organisation in Australia. Veronica met him when his research ship docked in Wellington after a month-long voyage to track changes in the ocean from the tropics to Antarctica. She asked him about the melting of polar ice sheets in Antarctica and Greenland and how they are likely to add to sea level rise in the future. One of the things the World Ocean Circulation Experiment did was to do a whole series of high-quality ocean observations along a network of sections right around the globe. That was very intense effort over about seven years. People were fed up with going to sea at the end of it. It was just so intense. So a subset of those lines have been selected and they are repeated regularly now as part of what's called now called Go Ship and this line along 170 degrees west from the equator to the ice edge has been repeated four times now. I'm not the principal investigator on this voyage. I came along for the ride and enjoyed it. <laughs> and you did. But what you take, the measurements you take during that voyage is, I'd imagine, temperature, salinity, what yes, else? Yes, so we take uh, full-depth observations of temperature and salinity, so right from the very surface down to as close to the ocean floor as we can get. Temperature, salinity, uh, oxygen concentrations, uh, nutrient concentrations, and also all the carbon parameters so that we can not only measure the changing heat content of the ocean, the changing freshwater distribution, but also the changing carbon content of the ocean. Can you, in your words, describe what's happening in the ocean? Uh, so the ocean's really critical because it's the principal storage of heat in the ocean. The anthropogenic warming, over 90% of the heat associated with that is stored in the ocean. 3% goes into melting ice and 3% into the ground and about 1% into heating the atmosphere. So if you want to really measure climate change, you need to measure the ocean heat content. And to me, it's the most important parameter there is to measure. So what we've seen over decades now is a gradual warming of the surface waters of the ocean. And this is a huge amount of heat that's being stored. And of course, as um, the oceans warm, the water expands, and that's a contribution to sea level rise. There's two other, or perhaps three other important factors, and, and one is we also see the ocean absorbing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. It stores about a quarter of the amount of uh, anthropogenic carbon that's emitted to the atmosphere. The ocean turns becomes more acidic in this process. We're also seeing a change in the distribution of uh, salinity, so a change in the hydrological cycle essentially more evaporation in the evaporative parts of the ocean and more precipitation on the 
areas where there's already excess precipitation. So you're seeing an intensification of the hydrological cycle. And the best evidence from that actually comes from the ocean. Recently, we've also seen warming of the bottom of the ocean, and particularly coming from the Southern Ocean. So really, by looking at the ocean, we're seeing the impacts on just about everything from the change of the hydrology cycle, which affects weather systems, large-scale weather systems like the monsoon, but also the beginning of changes to large global currents. Changes in currents are less easily detected. One of the big questions is changes in the overturning circulation, particularly in the North Atlantic. Uh, So there's some suggestions that this has started. That's certainly what the models project, an ongoing overturning, decrease in the overturning circulation during the 21st century. Not a complete collapse, but a slowing. And so that then has regional impacts. And, of course, the changes in the acidification of the ocean has big ecosystem implications for the ocean itself. Perhaps specifically on sea level rise, you mentioned the warming of the oceans. That's one big factor in why the oceans have been expanding. But recently that's beginning to be overtaken by glacial melt. Glaciers, um, talking firstly about non-polar glaciers, non-ice sheet glaciers, so glaciers in um, Himalayas, in Alaska, um, South America. Also the fringing glaciers around, particularly around Greenland. So these, in fact, have been the largest contribution to sea level rise during the 20th century. Uh, they'll continue to be, along with thermal expansion, the two largest contributions during the 21st century. However, the amount of ice locked up in glaciers is limited less than 50 centimetres, more like about 40 centimetres of sea level rise equivalent. So the growing contribution we're seeing is from the ice sheets, um, particularly the Greenland ice sheet. So we've seen two effects there. Firstly, uh, increased surface melting on Greenland. Secondly, we've also seen an increased flow of ice from the ice sheet into the ocean. Greenland, I think, is a really important issue in the longer term because we clearly see increased melting. It's a major contribution and a growing contribution. It's one of the major accelerations during the 21st century. There's a threshold for the Greenland ice sheet where surface melting exceeds precipitation, exceeds snowfall. Once you have that condition, regardless of what happens to the outflow of ice, into the ocean, the ice sheet will decay and sea level will rise. The seven metres of sea level equivalent locked up in the Greenland ice sheet, we could cross that threshold during the 21st century without significant and urgent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. That's a slow process, but it's sort of relatively well understood. So I think it's a major concern that the world needs to take account of. Would you hazard a time frame? Because there's some discussion as to how close we are to this boundary of overstepping that that Um, threshold, really. So we could cross it during the 21st century on the high emission scenarios. One of my disappointments, actually, in the AR5 is that we couldn't pin down that threshold better than we did. I think the next report will do a better job on that. There are people working on that. We said the threshold was somewhere between 1 and 4 degrees 
above pre-industrial temperatures. Well, we're already at one degree above pre-industrial temperatures. So we could well be approaching that threshold on the high emission scenarios likely to cross it during the 21st century. On the very low emission scenarios, we might avoid that threshold, but we really need to know that threshold a little bit better. Surface melting is a slow process. Seven metres of sea level from Greenland alone takes uh, many centuries or millennia. But once we cross that threshold and stay above it for some time, we might be committed to seven metres from Greenland alone. So, of course, the other major issue is Antarctica. Antarctica contains a lot more ice than Greenland. So in the long term, Antarctica is really critically important. Parts of the West Antarctic ice sheet are grounded below sea level, so they're susceptible to an ice sheet instability mechanism where warm ocean water penetrates beneath the ice shelves and allows the ice to flow more rapidly into the ocean. A number of us who were authors on the IPCC report wrote an update uh, just last year. And at that stage, almost all of the papers confirmed our assessment uh, and they said, uh, yes, there is an ice sheet instability occurring in a number of places, but its contribution during the 21st century is going to be centimetres and largely within the likely range that we quoted. And then just this year, there's a paper by Pollard and de Conto, which said surface melting of the ice shelves can cause the ice shelves to collapse which then allows the ice to flow more rapidly and there's another mechanism where the edge of the ice collapses when it gets above a certain height. So we'd actually considered uh, the collapse of the ice shelves in the AR5 and we said, well, this is sort of unlikely to happen during the 21st century. What's required now is for lots of other people to go and look at the different models. So it's really an area where there should be more work done rather than less Oh, absolutely. The two major issues in, um, maybe three major issues in sea level, the Greenland threshold, how close to it are we, when are we going to cross it, the Antarctic ice sheet, what's the instability and how quickly will it contribute to sea level rise, and thirdly the regional distribution of sea level rise which is associated with the gravitational changes associated with the ice sheets, but also the ocean dynamics. So this is the fact that sea level rise will be happening but not universally so everywhere, depending on the hemispheres, but then also smaller regional differences? Yes. Um, What's our understanding on that at the moment? Say if Greenland were to go faster, we would feel it in the southern hemisphere more than in the northern hemisphere. That's correct. So uh, as the ice sheets decay... They lose gravitational attraction and there's less loading on the Earth. So the Earth rebounds locally because there's less gravitational attraction the water flows away from the ice sheets. So in the far field from Greenland, South Pacific, the sea level rise is above the global average by the order of 20%. And then there's the ocean dynamics as well. The other thing with sea level rise is that it's been accelerating. So when you look at the data sets we have and then more recently the the satellite measurements, can you see that trend changing or the rate changing? Um, So if you go back a long time and you say, well, 
what has sea level done previously, and what you find is, well, of course, sea level was much lower in ice ages when temperatures were colder, ice sheets were bigger, but the important issue is that when temperatures were warmer, sea level was higher. So the last interglacial, uh, when temperatures were the order of 2 degrees or less than 2 degrees warmer, sea level was 5 to 10 metres higher. Some of that came from Greenland, small amount from thermal expansion, some could have come from glaciers, but it also implies some had to come from Antarctica. Following the last interglacial, so that's about 120, 130,000 years ago, sea level fell about 130 metres below present-day sea level 20,000 years ago and then rose rapidly uh, at rates of a metre per century for many millennia. And then about 6,000 years ago, sea level stabilised, continued to rise slowly, but then over the last 2,000 years, uh, the rate of rise is a few tenths of a millimetre per year. During the 20th century, that increased to 1.7 millimetres per year, so almost a factor of 10 larger than over the previous centuries. Uh, during the 20th century, it's uh, increased. The rate of rise since the start of the altimeter record in 1993 up till the present is uh, about 3 millimetres per year. The tide gauge record also shows an increased rate of rise since 1993. So acceleration and acceleration. So I would argue that we've actually seen an acceleration in the historical record starting in the late 19th century through the 20th century up until the early 21st century. What are the factors contributing to the acceleration? Is it the fact that now we're seeing more and more of the melt contribution on top of an ongoing thermal expansion? Yes, yeah, so I, th I think this is uh, not fully resolved as yet. Uh, so we're working on uh, something on, on addressing this issue. But I think the major contribution is an increasing contribution, particularly from Greenland. A smaller increase from Antarctica, that's a lot less certain. But the increased rate from Greenland is fairly clear. How do you, this is almost regardless of what happens with your day job, but I'm assuming your involvement with this research community is not going to end in a hurry. How do you, knowing all of this and watching all of this, how do you remain patient? <laughs> I don't always remain patient. Doing these two IPCC reports that I've now done, it's very challenging in the sense of doing the science. It's very re rewarding, but also somewhat frustrating in that you see little response by governments to what I think is a, a very serious threat and indeed a crisis. That's John Church, who's part of CSIRO's Marine and Atmospheric Research Group in Hobart. That's all for now, but you can stay in touch with us on Twitter at rnz underscore science. Kia ora mai.